Today in Flex in the City, we talk to Stephen Van Tool, Managing Director for Europe, Vistra. He speaks about the power of perspective. Don't resist the future, embrace it. All that happening right now in Flex and the City. Hello, everybody. This is Rachel Treese for Flex and the City. This afternoon, I'm delighted to be speaking to Stephen Van Tool. Hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, Stephen. Uh, Stephen is the Managing Director Europe at Vistra. He's a Dutchman, and it's a pleasure to welcome you here, Stephen. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here. Real pleasure. So, so Stephen, uh, I, I know a little bit about you because we met um, this year at the Alfie conference, um, but love to hear a little more about your story and how you came to be you know, living and working in Germany and uh, married to a Swiss, Swiss lady. So, so do tell us your story. Sure, sure. Uh, you already mentioned it. I'm, I'm Dutch originally. Uh, I was born in the south of, of the Netherlands in Roermond, very close to the German, uh, German border. And um, in 2006, I was, I was at a point in my life where, where I had the, the liberty or the opportunity to, uh, to make a very conscious decision about, um, you know, did I want to stay in the Netherlands? Do I want to? Did I want to live somewhere else? And I had a a, a good friend who was uh, working for the Banque Cantonale de Genève at that point in in Geneva, and um, I, I met him at some point, and and I was talking to him about about my thoughts and my plans, and he said, "Ah, oh, you have to come to Switzerland." And I I thought to Switzerland, and well, to to ski, or what? what do you, why do you want me there, and why? And he said, "You don't understand, and uh, you need you need to come visit me." And um, I, I did. I visited him for two weeks, and and we talked a lot, and I, I fell in love with the country. And I moved there in two thousand and six, and spent five years building up a. A business unit for for Michael Page back then, which was a lot of fun and crazy times. In 2006, the economy was extremely strong, and then in 2008, of course, we we end in the financial crisis, which was also really interesting to deal with that on on, on the back of that. And uh, met my wife, so fell in love with the country first, and then fell in love with my wife much more, of course. And and we got married. Uh, we got married relatively quickly after that, and, and had our, our first child. And in the meanwhile, I, I got in, in touch with, with ADP because they actually gave me a mandate. And from that mandate, I got to know ADP very well, was, was asked basically to, to join them, which I, which I did. And then I had a 10-year had a journey at, at ADP, which, which started in Switzerland and with responsibility for Portugal and Spain and Poland. And then in 2014, my then boss said, uh, "Stephen, listen, we 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 need you in Germany. Are you are you willing to move to Germany?" And uh, my wife is very uncomplicated with these kind of things. She said, "Sure." So we moved to uh, we moved to Germany in, in fourteen. That was just two months after the birth of our of our third, and we've been living here close to Würzburg ever since. And uh, I uh, I joined Vistra in May of last year because I just felt I was ready to do something new and exciting. And um, Vistra struck me immediately. It's, uh, it was the, the people that I met there, bright, talented, uncomplicated, um, really ambitious, um, you know, a, a, a big, you know, big plans ahead, but all very realistically done and strategically well planned. And um, and, and I guess the third thing that, that really struck me was the incredible opportunity for growth. So I, I joined Vistra and uh, I'm, I'm there very happy ever since. 
responsible for for our European market, which is about one third of our uh, of our business, mm. Um, mm. with uh, with sixteen different countries. Uh, recently, also in uh, in uh, in France. So, and if you counted along with me, four kids. So we had our fourth kid, three daughters, one boy, here in in Germany. They're between five and twelve, and they uh, they keep me quite busy, as you can imagine. I'm sure they do. I know. I only have one, and she's kept me busy enough. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. So, so I know you're really passionate about leadership. We met at the Arthur Conference, which was all about talent in the industry. Do you do you think there are enough great leaders in this industry, Stephen? I think yes, there are great leaders in the industry. I, I just have a general observation around around leadership. That is, when you look at very expert-driven industries, and, and financial mm-hmm. services to a certain extent is also one of them, you typically see people who are incredibly talented and and, and experienced in 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 a very specific topic, and they've they've been able to progress in their industry very very well because of that. But it also sometimes prevented people from from picking up on on leadership skills, and maybe that was also not needed for for a long period. Yeah. I think what we're seeing now is that that the way our financial industry, financial services industry, but also other industries are fighting to to get talent and to retain talent. This there's much more there's much more focus on that leadership part. So I think we need to realize that first. I think we need to realize that that more than ever, being a leader, and then of course we can discuss about what that actually entails. Is, is more important than ever ever before. And if, if I need to answer your question very straight up, I would say there's not enough of that in the financial services industry, in my opinion. So we've all heard about the great resignation. We've heard that leaders are leaving you know, our industry and other industries. So senior people are leaving. And then we're also struggling to, to get talent in at, at, at the bottom end. So, so what do you think that leadership needs to look like to, to help attract people to, to the industry? I don't like this expression, this great resignation. It's, I don't uh, it's People are not resigning. They're not giving up. I would call it a great reflection. You know, I think, I think we had a, a couple of factors coming together the last couple of years pandemic and and perhaps people having a bit of a a better financial buffer. So people actually had the time to think about what's really important to them. I think we also see new generations coming in. And that's a trend that has been, you know, ongoing for, for, I would say, the last 40 years where people simply have a very very different view on what's important in life. And that comes together. So so to to your question, what, what what does great leadership entail? I think first of all, it starts with with listening and and being aware that that people are not coming to work for you and staying to work for you based on the same set of of values and parameters than they than they would 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I've always thought that that the more we automate, the more we talk about digitalization, the more we we talk about efficiency, et cetera, the more important the human being becomes. Because at the end of the day, it's a human being that makes the that makes the difference between between being successful, not successful, not not the machine, etc. That's the tool that we that we use for that. I think people want to be recognized for that. People want to be part of it, part of something. People want to want to see that they're being heard and that they're being recognized and that they're being looked at as as human beings who have their personal lives and their personal preferences, but also as professionals who really want to make a contribution. And um, 
once we start recognizing that and we start changing our behavior accordingly, then we will also see that it will become easier again to hire talent and to to keep them on board. You've mentioned you've got four children. Does your eldest know what you do, Stephen? She she does. So so I think I think the youngest one thinks that I run it call center or work for a call center because I'm always on the phone or in teams or, or <laughs> when when I'm here when I'm not traveling but um, I, I think the oldest one does she um, so I always try to explain that whatever you want to do in business the more you can focus on what you do best and the, the less you're burdened with with support the more successful you can be and that that we advise or we we make sure that our clients have that support so that they can focus on what they do best, and we take care of everything. Obviously, do not go into the details of uh, of it with my twelve year old, but uh, she she gets it. She gets it. Yeah. Yeah. And would you encourage your children to join the industry? I'm curious. Yes, that definitely. It would be a bit hypocrite if I if I wouldn't. But but I I would I would want to make sure that they go in it with a with a very innovative perspective on on the the business or on any business. Um, go in with a with the elan to change something and not to to just you know protect or keep it the way that it uh, that it has been for so many many years so 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 if, if you could wave a magic wand and transform yeah. the industry what, what would you do what would be the big game changer do you think i think first of all i think there's still there's a there's a strong need for for transparency I think there's still too much happening um, in, in the backgrounds by makes it difficult for people to understand what's really going on in, in, in the industry as such. And that maybe also makes it less attractive for, for people to, uh, to join. I, I don't really believe in, in magic wands. I do think that there, is, that there is a lot that we can do in terms of automation that we're not yet doing. Um, if you look at other industries, they are completely automated and, and the financial service industry is, is very reluctant reluctant to do that. I think when it comes to talent, which is which is one of the big challenges for growth at this point and, and, and particular in, particularly in, in, in such a small country like Luxembourg, oh. which is on one hand, such an important center in the European finance world, at the same time, it's so limited by its by its you know relatively small population, and um, then also the whole set of regulations that uh, that make it so difficult for people to work from abroad and 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 to use um, global shared service centers that that can do a part of the work. And so, I think this combination of of being much more transparent about what's going on and and looking you know looking at at this as a truly global industry and not just as a as a segmented federalized uh, market based industry, um, investing in in digitalization further investing. I love the the Luxembourg House of Finance initiative because there are so many great entrepreneurs who are. Who are doing so much for uh, you know to drive that digitalization agenda forward, but also opening up, and that's not just Luxembourg; it's it's uh, it's many of the markets um, where where I think sometimes the regulators stand in their own way. Yeah. Uh, on, on one hand, wanting to wanting to make sure that 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 the country and the economy continues to thrive on on the financial services industry, but at the same time, sometimes making it so complicated um, that that you that you reach a ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. So, so going back to to young people, if you had a young person um, who was starting in financial services, what would be the advice that you'd you'd give them? Well, first of all, smile. 
because you know life is great and that doesn't that doesn't uh, uh, is irrelevant in which industry you uh, you work. Not sure if this is all if this is specifically finance, but I you know I always tell people it's what what my first boss always told me said hire people who are better than you. I think specifically now we have I think we have a couple of interesting years ahead of us. I think you know when things get tough keep going because it probably means that you're on the right track. And I think what always helped me a lot is is to to not compartmentalize your thinking. There is there is no clear segregation between love and life and and work. It's it's all connected to each other. And I think that's what you what you what you need in order to find a. I also I don't like this word work life balance. It's it's a harmony. You need to create a harmony for yourself. I think these are the general general advices. I think specifically maybe for the financial services industry is listen very closely, but challenge everything you hear. Mm. Good advice there, everyone. Listen very closely, but challenge everything you hear. And in terms of leadership, Stephen, has there been a leader that you've worked with or or is there a leader out there that you really admire? There's some names that, that come up and it sometimes changes, of course, when you are you're more exposed to one or the other. So one, one person, in specifically in the financial industry, that I have great respect for is Ray Dalio. And... Um, mm. He he wrote a fantastic book called uh, called Principles, and it connects very much to something that I that I believe as a fundament for leadership is that in order for any person and an and, and an organization to be successful, you need to give you need to provide a maximum amount of responsibility and autonomy to every single person within that organization, and the way that you do that is by setting very clear decision making frameworks. And assuming that people never make mistakes on purpose, when a mistake happens, it simply means that you need to readjust your framework. And, and that is, that is a, a philosophy that, that I've had for many, many years. And, and Dalio wrote this book, which is, which is called Principles. And it, it, it's, it's, segment, it's split in two parts. One is about work and one is, one is life. And when he, um, he basically says... He takes their algorithm to make investment decisions. And he says, if you can parameterize all the different factors that make up an investment decision, you can set a framework for those decisions. And you can do the same in your life. You can do the same for leadership, explaining where you want to go, what you want to achieve, what you do not want to achieve, which rules we need to obey and which freedoms we have. That's the job that we have as leaders. And that is also what allows you to give a maximum amount of autonomy and responsibility to each and every single person in your in your company. So that is something that I that appeals very much to me. The the other person, and I'm a I'm a huge Formula One fan. Mm-hmm. You can imagine that at this point, that's it's a very good time for a Dutch guy to be a Formula One fan with Max Verstappen. So now someone else that I really admire is, is Michael Schumacher, and it's 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 not not so much because he 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 won won the world championship seven times. It's much more about how how the type of of professional and human being that that he was. There's a brilliant documentary out on him, by the way. He he worked through thick and thin. He he drove for bad teams, for good teams. He drove for teams that were bad and that became really really great under his his leadership. He was great on track. He was he was hard but fair. And then he would get out of the car and would work with guys in the garage until deep in the night to to fine tune the car. And 
leading by example, rolling up his sleeve, uh, sleeves, not you know, not not feeling better than anyone else. They are understanding that it's only the team that makes that makes the result, and and not him as a as an individual. And I think he he personified that so incredibly well. Um, I find that truly inspiring. And if you look at his son Mick, who is also driving, he's such a fine, such a fine gentleman, um, and, and he hope he does well. But uh, um, Absolutely. Yeah, very... he, he knew how to harness the collective, didn't he? That was... Uh... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So with your permission, we're going to create a bit of IP here today because we've talked about frameworks, we've talked about perspectives, and we've talked about transformation. So I'm imagining the Stephen Van Tull triangle here. So what would be the three key parts of that triangle that you'd put out there and say, all of you leaders... This is what you need to have. I think I think one one corner of the triangle is empathy and the ability to attune to mm-hmm. to the people that you work with, or that you, be that your 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 colleagues or your or your clients for that matter. I think the other one is, and it's such a classic, but I, I always keep coming back to it. You you need to lead by example. You cannot. You cannot expect people to do something for you if you do not guide the way. If you're not right up there in front in front with everybody else, I do not think that you can expect people at the end of the day to to follow you. And I think the third one, there's a lot of talk always about being a being a servant leader or being humble. I don't think that is something that you can tell someone to be. Just as when you say, oh, you just need to be authentic. You're you're either authentic or you're not. But this point of having someone who is able to be humble, mm. I think that's almost a prerequisite in the end being a very successful leader. I don't think that you can be a that you can be a good leader if you think that you're that that you are more important than the rest. I think you need to feel that all the others come first and and you're there to support them. That's my personal opinion. Great stuff. I love it. Wait, wait for the diagram, Stephen. Wait for the diagram. So when you're not busy leading people in the financial services industry and raising four children and being a wonderful husband, um, what is it that you, you love to do? I'm very much a mountain guy. I love to be up in the mountains. I like to see unspoiled nature. I love the the majestic look of the of the mountains. The um it it uh, we talked we, we talked a bit about humbleness. It, it makes me feel very humble because you realize how small you are, and and uh, not not just in size but also in in time the time fragment that we that we spend. Yeah. The air does me does me really you know does me good, and um, I love being up there. I I do a lot of sports stuff with my kids. Love to go karting. And my son my son mountain bikes very well, so we go to races together and. We love to ski together, but it's all um, I would say m- mountain related mountain related activities that we uh, that we enjoy doing. And uh, I'm um, I thought you were from the Netherlands. Yeah, well, yeah, the Netherlands is really flat. I think I think it's I need to compensate for that. I need to compensate for having spent 26 years in the Netherlands, and I now I I only want to see the I want to see the mountains. I love to cook. That's 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 my that's a real passion. It's a, that's um, if I um, if I need to get my head clear, then I then I cook. 
Yeah. And you cook. And uh, so, so there's something in what you're saying, which is about, well, there's perspectives, that's for sure. Um, if we compare, compare compare the mountains with the Netherlands, and there's something about that unspoilt nature that's appealing for you. Am I right? Yeah, you yeah you are right. It's um, I've always felt that that um, it 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 helps you being up in the mountains to, uh, to to take a bit of distance from from everything that's going on in in the valley to make the picture to make the picture complete. And I think it, it it's always helped me to um, to uh, to get a different to get a different perspective to to look at the bigger picture. And and it's often I think it's. It, you have this you have this sentence that says you know you can you can you cannot you cannot fix problems with the same thinking that was used to create them right and for me being up in the mountains it, it helps me to take a very fresh perspective because it's unspoiled because it's it's not cluttered yet with with stuff that that we did it's it it allows me to uh, to kind of reset or to refresh my my brain um, as well to to think about stuff differently than I than I used to, and um, um, I mean other people might do that in, in different ways, but but if the mountains help, then that's that's I think good. And um, also looking at the financial financial services industry, I think I think we're up for a lot of change. We talked before mm. about digitalization. I think a lot is going to be happening there. Um, we're going to have macroeconomically, we're going to have a few interesting years ahead of us. So we need to we need to start thinking um, from an unspoiled perspective about how we're going to tackle some of these things. Fantastic. Stephen Van Tull, thank you so much for being with us today on Flex in the City. It's been a fantastic conversation. And we've even got a little bit of IP out of it, Stephen, which I'll gladly share. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Rachel. It was a pleasure. You just listened to Flex in the City. Catch us on our next episode.